Welcome to the CodeCast Podcast. Real-world insights for your daily medical coding and billing processes. And now, here's your host, Terry Fletcher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CodeCast Podcast today. My name is Terry Fletcher, and welcome to episode 286. Oh, my goodness. So today we are going to talk about something that has recently been published with Medicare and I actually found it um, as I'm going through all of my stacks and stacks of catch up reading I'm needing to do for my Medicare quarterlies. And this was one that I thought definitely needed some attention from a podcast perspective. Also, shout out to Jennifer McNamara on one of my friends on LinkedIn to have actually also met in person because she was talking about this this week. But what came out was something regarding the Medicare program and discarded drugs and biologicals. So we've had since 2017, a modifier JW, and now there's a new modifier JZ, and there's a new policy for that. So as of 2017, we have the JW modifier that was reported on claims that bill for drugs and biologicals um, for the single dose containers, and it was payable under Part B when we had some discarded um, drug use. So I should say discarded um, billable in the drug container. Well, that's been changed now because from what I'm understanding from Medicare is that that was being used incorrectly. So now here's where they want to make sure there's a clear differentiation between what was used and what wasn't used so that you can be reimbursed when you have some discarded amounts but also they know that um, what the vials specifically are from the pharmaceutical companies and if that has to be adjusted along the way based on some of the wasted amounts. So currently the JW modifier, this is now as of 2023. So this is a healthcare common procedural coding system. So an eight Hicks picks code level two, and it's a modifier required to report on claims to report the amount of drug that is discarded and eligible for payment under the discarded drug policy. So remember, this is um, where we're just looking at um, a single dose vial, so a single dose container, and um, and they're, they're, they're calling it that discarded amount. Now, what is the JZ modifier? Okay, and again, the, the first of all, the JW should only be used for claims that bill single-dose container drugs. Now, JZ modifier is also Hicks-Picks level two modifier, and now this is going to re- be reported on your claim to attest that no amount of drug was discarded and it is eligible for payment. So the modifier should only be used for claims that bill for single dose containers again. And so this is important because now all of your claims are going to have one or the other modifier. So when they were talking about aligning the JW modifier policy and the JZ modifier policy, when there's no discarded amounts of single dose container drugs, they are going to talk about that requirement now. And actually, it's been a requirement since January 1st of this year. So here's something that came from the FAQ sheet that I just want you to be aware of. So it says, what is the payment policy for drugs under the Part B Medicare for which there are discarded amounts? So let me just explain again so to make sure you're clear. When a provider must discard an amount of the drug from a single dose container after administering a dose to a Medicare beneficiary, the program provides, so it means Medicare pays, payment for the discarded amount as well as for the dose administered up to the amount of the drug indicated on the vial or package labeling. 
So the discarded amount is any amount that is not part of the prescribed dose and not intended to have a therapeutic effect in the patient. So even if certain amounts are extracted from the vial or are required to be in the vial to administer the prescribed dose so you can get enough of it, it says we do not consider them to be used if they are not intended for therapeutic effect as part of the prescribed dose. So they say went on to say generally the discarded amount is the labeled amount on the single dose container or containers if more than one container is required minus the dose, the dose being in the prescribed amount. So they really talk about too sometimes if there's an overfill amount. So if you find this um, FAQ, make sure you are looking it up as well because um, and you can find it on 87FR69710 because they're they're talking about some of those discarded amounts as well. And they wanted to know why, you know, CMS established this policy. And I, I really believe it was because people weren't using the first modifier correctly. And they observed a low compliance with the JW modifier, leading to incomplete information for that data. Remember, when HixPix modifiers or G codes are created, Medicare uses those for data mining. You know, they want to find out, well, is are the packaging is the packaging accurate for what the pharmaceutical companies are sending over? Should it be adjusted in any way so that I hate to say it, but so that they save money, so the patient saves money, so the payer saves money, and so that it's it's accurate as far as what the patient is getting. And they also said, and because of discarded drug refund amounts, you know, they rely on that data. So they want to establish that a separate modifier needs to be used, the JZ, and that will be required on claims for single-dose container drugs, again, to attest that there was no discarded amounts, no later than, and you have to use it by July 1st, 2023, but it was effective January 1st of 2023. So just know that is where um, that is now going to be coming out of. So effective versus when you should have to use it by is July. And that's where um, they they give you a little bit of leeway to get used to the idea of using um, those modifiers and making sure you understand what they're for. Now, just to clarify that you have what's in your documentation appropriate, make sure that there is a physician order for the medication or medications to be administered. That means the physician has to have a signature date, dose, route, and frequency. Um, Make sure that the medication administration record is current. And or if it's an infusion flow sheet, make sure that it's checked for the quantity administered with the dose, route, and frequency. Is there documentation of drug wastage and how much? You should be having that on your inventory control if you're dispensing that kind of medication. Does documentation support the diagnosis for the drug administered based on physician's side notes, authenticated notes, diagnostic tests, laboratory testing, and orders? And you should always have a payer policy, if it whether it's a national um, payer policy, so an NCD or an LCD, national uh, local coverage decision or determination, make sure that is part of um, your protocols and your compliance programs when it comes to uh, your inventory control for these drugs. If there are any known coverage issues, has the patient signed a waiver from the Medicare requirements? Remember, we have a new waiver this year. Have you verified a signature log or an attestation for any missing or illegible signatures? And lastly, make sure that the NCD drug code documented and verified as indicated on the vial was administered. You have to make sure that's matched up. That's a really big deal too if you're giving vaccines, so make sure that's there as well. But there's so many considerations um, and situations to look at 
and understand the purpose and the intent of the modifier JW and JZ. So please Google it, find find that publication. It, it came out recently and read through all the FAQs because I think that's going to be important for your compliance uh, moving forward if you are dispensing. And you know, if anybody's doing stress tests or if you're doing nuclear medicine or any injectables at all, you know, knee injections, shoulders injections, I mean, your specialty, it doesn't have to just be orthopedic or cardiology. It could be something where you are giving out, um, you know, vials of medicine or dispensing them in the office. And that is something that I should say dispensing in the office. And that's something that you have to account for whether using all of it or part of it, because the the payer and especially Medicare now they need that information for their their data and their um, statistical information moving forward. So next, I would like to talk to you about a coding question I got, which I thought was interesting. And our coding question today is sponsored by Audible. So look for Audible Rewards and audible.com. So this coding question came from Loretha Davis. Loretha, thank you. She works at Chalk. And I thought this was a great question. Um, and it was, it was interesting because I think we sometimes, and I say we, we as a, as a collective body of coders, billers, we get used to what our physicians kind of put in their record or we see records. And because we know it could be helpful to the record, we try to capture that code when we can't do that. If, if there's any question at all, we have to query the provider. Um, we can't assumptive, assumptive code and we can't pull from the record when it's not appropriate. So, you know, here, here's kind of the, the interesting question. So the doctor, doctor documents a history of in the record. So a patient has a history of a certain diagnosis. And the question was, can we code that or even should we code that as a current diagnosis? So this is something interesting. You know, when you're talking about today's encounter, you may need to query the physician because if it's a history of, and you're trying to code it as a current condition under an HCC, then it has to be actively contributable to the problems addressed today. And so if that's not the case, then that's going to be a problem. You know, her example was if a patient's coming in for, let's say a Botox injection for spasticity, and you get down to the assessment and plan, the note might indicate a history of cerebral palsy, but under the current conditions, it lists cerebral, cerebral palsy, and it was only a history of. You can't code that as a current condition. Great question, though, because I'm seeing sometimes that happen in cancer patients, you know, history of breast cancer, history of colon cancer. That doesn't mean they have it now. Unless the physician says they have it now, it could have been resolved. It could, they could have had surgery. It's, it's a history of, and that's so important when you are coding, not just for capturing HCCs, but also trying to code for a med legal um, document. And I say that in a way where I hope you just heard my nervous laugh thinking, oh my gosh, patients had a mastectomy. They are cancer free for two years. There's something in their chart that says history of cancer. And the last document um, coding that the physician put in there was, you know, that, that, that it's actually been gone there in remission and they got rid of it. They got all the margins. And now again, it's coming up as a current condition. That is such a problem. So please make sure you're querying your physicians if there is any question at all about a current diagnosis from a history of statement. I also wanted to bring to everyone's attention, there is a podcast that I also that also came out today and it's uh, through the NSCHBC 
dot org organization. So the National Society of Health Certified Healthcare Business Consultants. And I was I'm the host of that. And I was interviewing um, Mary Kay um, Hunt, and she is a business coach. And what she does is she explains how to keep and retain employees. And it was a very fun interview. And so again, it dropped today. So take a look at it. It's called the NSCHBC Edge podcast. And listen in and tell me what you think. We also are around 30 minutes. So but I thought it was great insight for those of you that are working virtual, that are administrators, billing directors, billing managers, and even employees just trying to, you know, keep motivated uh, in kind of an isolated healthcare space. So being virtual and working remotely, and even if you're on uh, in person and just some ideas there to, to how to keep your staff, because we have a very tough staff shortage issue right now in healthcare, and it's it's a really tough thing. So hopefully you'll find that um, some good insight and maybe subscribe and we'd love to have you on the CodeCast podcast. I'm happy to say that we are 8,000 um, downloads short of 500,000. I think I'm going to have a party when we have that. And so actually, maybe I will, maybe I'll have a, a live one and you can ask me anything on a zoom call. So stay tuned for that. As soon as we hit 500,000 and we're at 492,000 downloads and listens right now, I will do that. I'll have an ask me anything, uh, zoom and we can all get on. And if you have a coding question, you can ask. So, um, I, maybe I'll have some balloons too. What do you think? <laughs> anyway, it's been a great week and you can tell I'm having a, a good month of April. I hope you are too. And so everyone just make it a great rest of your week, make it a great day. And thank you for listening to the CodeCast podcast. For more information on medical coding, billing, auditing, and compliance, including how to hire Terry, follow Terry on Twitter at TerryCoder1 or visit her website at www.terryfletcher.net. Podcast producer, Joe Kuzma. Music producer, Assassin Music.